Welcome to the Guitar Almany Podcast. I'm Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Each episode, we'll chat with a featured guest from the classical guitar world. Candid conversations, unique experiences, and career observations from the people who best know the guitar. This is your master class in life and the guitar. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or see Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. I'm here in person with William Geyser, who is a founding member of the LA Guitar Quartet and also a professor of guitar at University of Southern California. Bill, welcome. It's Carl, it's so great to be here. This and is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this worked out so perfectly. So you're 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 visiting family in Cincinnati and you have a class and a concert to go to in in Cleveland, and unfortunately, I won't be able to make the concert, but uh, I'm sure it'll be wonderful. And, and your your place is like exactly <laughs> on the way, exactly halfway, you know. So it, and less than a block from the highway. Well, I saw I saw I saw a sign on the highway. It said it said next rest stop and guitar interview, sixty miles. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, but yeah, and you are the first live. Um, in-person interview that I've that I've had, which is, is kind of exciting, and yeah. you know, I'm, I'm so so happy that you're here. So the the quartet has a new recording, right? Called yeah. Opalescent. Yes. Tell us about this. You know, this is uh, a real labor of love. This is the second recording that we've done on you know the self-released on our own label, LHQ.com and um, LHQ Records. Sorry, right. um, and. Um, the the real inspiration for it was uh, the music of a guy named Philip Houghton, oh, of course. who's this wonderful composer and wonderfully eccentric guy from Sydney. Yeah. And we actually got to meet him a number of times. Um, and he wrote a piece many years ago called Opals for, okay. for th- four guitars, uh, three movement work. And when we met him in Sydney... Um, he actually, there's a picture in the liner notes where he's holding the opal that okay. actually inspired the work. And uh, Phil passed away maybe about three, three and a half years ago. And um, we started playing the piece and kind of fell in love with it. And it, it became a kind of, you know, touchstone, as it were, yeah. you know, for this whole record that has to do with essentially the intersection between light and sound. Okay. And... Uh, Phil was a synesthete. Oh, there you go. Great. Yeah. So for those who don't know, it's basically when he heard a, a musical tone, he saw a very specific color. And in the score for Opals, there's very specific references, you know, like, like this is aquamarine. This is, you know, um, a glint of yellow. And, and the whole idea is that he was trying to write music that for him represented the different sparkles and glints that you see kind of emanating from inside an opal. Right. And there's actually three different kinds of opals that he okay. pictures. There's a, what's called the black opal, a water opal, and a white opal. Um, and uh, th- having a piece that was that coloristic, really, um, was, you know, like a real inspiration for us. And then we we sort of found a number of other pieces um, that kind of fit the same mood or the same character. Okay. You know that that in some way have something to do with light, with sound, with color, um, 
all of the pieces are, you know, essentially quote unquote contemporary, mm -hmm. but you know, we also, there's, there's not very, you know, angular, you know, difficult, uh, to listen to contemporary music. It's, it's all very kind of well, welcoming and, you know, life affirming, I would hope, sure. you know, and, and even though we recorded this, you know, about six months before the pandemic started, you know, it, it took us that long with the producer and everything to kind of get it out. But it, it seemed almost prescient because yeah. it does have a sort of kind of healing kind of positive yeah. view, I think. And um, one of the other things that, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of about this is that actually um, the there's three. If you want to open the package, you can see it. Um, the 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 image of the opal on the cover and then there's two other opal images inside and those are actually created by my daughter who's oh, she's wonderful. a she's a, a vr game design artist oh cool and she and her, and her partner max uh. um so so she designed a, a white opal a water opal and a actually if you take the cd out like, uh, I mean, the, oh, the if you lift CD, it right? off, like the CD itself is a black opal. Okay. And then underneath it is the water opal. So boom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the title, the, the cover is a, is, is the, the white opal. Oh, wow. Um, so, and the, actually there's a little, little trailer where she, cause it's a 3d digital image, um, okay. where the black opal kind of like is rotating in space. It kind of looks like a planet oh, sort fantastic. of. <laughs> is that up on YouTube? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Neat. Um, Very cool. But, um, you know, so, th and did a lot of work with, you know, like crafting the program notes and, you know, putting, putting our own project together in a way, it's a lot of work. You know, we learned a lot from doing our previous recording sure, uh, sure. called New Renaissance. Um, that was based on Spanish, mostly Spanish Renaissance music. Um, but there's a sense of, you know, ownership and pride right. to it, you right. know, sure. like any, you're any not just submitting to it, a the, label, the, you know, right. It's not out of your hands at any, any stage. Yeah. So any, any mistakes that are there, I can own, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can't complain. To any, there actually is one error that the printer made that, that, that I'm not going to tell anybody that drives me crazy, but anyway, see if we can find it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, the other thing that was so fantastic about this process was, um, the producer we worked with is an unbelievable producer. We've never we and he's a guy named Steve Rodby. Okay, and we met him because when we did the Pat Metheny project, yeah. you know, we recorded that um, quite a, quite a few years ago in 2017. But wow, it came, was it that long ago already? Well, it came out in 21. Right, it took okay. four years to come out. Okay, all right. You know, but 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 Steve Rodby produced. He produces most of Pat Metheny's okay. music, and Steve Rodby was the bass player for the Pat Metheny group for, oh my gosh, for okay. years. Okay, unbelievable musician. Yeah, and you know he, I don't know why. Why would why would that guy want to work with us? You know, like, <laughs> and he was so into it. So he came. He was there for all the recordings, and um, it took a while. But when he finally finished the production, like his, I don't think we've ever had a producer care more and work more hours on a project of ours and amazing and feel really really good about how this rec recording yeah. sounds sure. how it how it lays how it flows you know so it's, I, saw, I saw the promo reel that, that you guys have on it and it it, it, it sounded tremendous yeah. that was like i mean every single one of your recordings like that's that's one of the things that i've always thought about the quartet is like 
wow, those recordings sound amazing. Always. And, oh, and but this one is like, there's something yeah, there's something else going on there. Yeah. yeah, this is, you know, this one, we also used the same engineer that we hired for our, our new Renaissance album. His name's Rich Breen. I mean, the two of them have done, they, they've been nominated for a number of Grammys, yeah. but they, they mostly work with jazz artists. Like, okay. like he's, you know, they, they work with, I mean, Rich has done everybody in the jazz world. You know, the Yellow Jackets and Chick Corea and Eliani Elias and you know all these right. these people. They they co-produced the the last recording of um, of Lyle Mays before oh, he passed wow. away. You know, so um, and we recorded it at this gorgeous little gem of a of a concert hall at USC where, okay. where I teach. Yeah, sure. Um, that's part of the Brain and Creativity Institute, and okay. it was it was actually designed by Toyota, the guy who did Disney Hall. Ah. So it's it's got a real special bloom to it, and yeah. Rich captured it pretty nicely. So I'm pretty happy with yeah. it. Yeah, you know. Well, congratulations. That's thank great. you so much. And, and and it's available for sale now. Like it it's is. out there, people can get it. It is like yeah. what happened was it was released actually April eighth. Okay. Um, and you know on all streaming platforms, and due to a small supply chain issue, <laughs> the <laughs> the the CDs. <laughs> weren't actually, you know, manufactured and delivered in, until May 8th. Okay. It took them, it was a month late. Sure. But it's it's now available. There we go. Um, but it's, you know, I, I I know these days, we actually debated. It's like, well, should we even bother, like, printing a CD? It's a funny question, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, like, and and then you have to decide, well, how many and why and, and that kind of thing. And yeah. it's, it's really strange. Because yeah. the world has, the, the, the music world has changed dramatically, even in the last six years since yeah. we released our last one. Um you know, I think when we do gigs, we'll sell we'll right. sell them at the at the shows. But I think most of my students don't even have a CD player. Of course, yeah. they have no way to play. It. <laughs> you know, but there is something nice. I think maybe I'm old school yeah, about I'm the like, same way. Like yeah. You held it in your hand, yeah. right? Yep, you and it's, it's visceral. Yeah. And there's that we have this really nice booklet. You know, you leaf through it. It's got this information. I mean, the digital booklet is available sure. too. But I. I love the way that the design worked out that, you know, you, t you take the CD out and boom, there's yeah. this other opal underneath. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. So, but you know, sure. Do it on Spotify. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. care. Well, you know, it's, it, like you said, it's, it's a, I think it's a changing world and, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to remember the, large format vinyl you know well, and and what an experience that was to open one up and you know if it was a if it like a booklet style one and the pictures and well the it, funny you know. thing is the vinyl that i heard that last year vinyl sales outsold right. cds <laughs> right and and because because there's this niche market right. for people who really want the vinyl yeah. and, it, and it becomes you know like it's like a real keepsake and right. you, can, you know frame it and all that. so we thought well maybe we should do vinyl sure and and it was like Whoa, that's that's expensive. <laughs> yeah, and they're heavy and big to carry mm -hmm. around. But the big problem was everybody's doing vinyl, so it was it was at least a year delay. Wow, it's backed up. Oh, oh my so gosh. much. Yeah. Interesting. And huh. and the engineer, you know who you know Rich, who's done tons of recording. He said, "Oh my God, you know, I had one project. I had to reject three vinyl pressings. Like like wow. you know, because he let, they send him the sample vinyl yeah. pressing. I listened through and oh, mistake there. You know, right. So it's." Huh. It's a tricky business, you know. Um, now there are those who are really into vinyl right. and really have great systems. They say it blows away CDs. I don't know if my ears are good enough. Certainly, my playback system isn't good enough right. to hear yeah. the difference. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it's it, yeah, it's definitely an audiophile kind of 
specialized the people that are into that man they go oh yeah it's, it's not a casual entertainment no all the, yeah. apparently like all the I'm not up on it but all the indie bands and everything yeah. oh you gotta do vinyl right, you know right. cause it's like the hip thing you know it's like <laughs> you know you, you get the vinyl with the gift certificate to to, <laughs> right. to, to the uh, medical marijuana thing you know, <laughs> you know it comes with a package deal you know so yeah let's, let's, let's talk about some of the other um, repertoire that's on, on on the recording here it's uh Got a few heavy hitters, I'd say, writing for you. Um, are these all things that were specifically written for the, the quartet? Some of the pieces were actually written for us. I, I would say the 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 piece that's you know maybe the centerpiece of the record of the whole record is the piece by Robert Beezer. Okay. That he it was a co commission that he, a piece he wrote for the Boston Guitar Orchestra, and then I helped him adapt it for four guitars. Okay, and it's a Chacon. Yeah, okay. and it's a beautiful piece and of course you know for your listeners they probably know uh, robert songs, beezer right. you know mountain songs are the most most well known but he's also written some fantastic solos you know f- mostly for elliot fisk he's yes. a good friend of elliot's um but he's he's a major composer you know yeah. um and and especially in the apparently in the opera and and you know vocal world huh. um but um so we got to work with him on the piece and he got he heard us play at town hall you know a couple of years ago um, and, you know, I think anytime a composer writes a piece called Chacon, you know, right. he's got Bach yeah. like, <laughs> like right. staring over his shoulder, you know, <laughs> but it's a really interesting piece. It's actually the, the sort of Pasacaglia, uh-huh. um, progression is loosely based on a piece by, by Purcell. Okay. Um, but the way he structured it, um, you know, it's, it's essentially more like a theme and variations as sure. it were, you know, and, and they're very different in each, each, you know, iteration of the, that, you know, Chacon harmony is in a totally different style. There's some that are very overtly neo-baroque, okay. but then there's some that are kind of new agey sort of in a way. And then there's a, like a minimal one. And, um, there's some very like aggressive, uh, you know, sharp ones. There's one called Shards of Light. Oh, wow. Which, which was actually the working title of this recording. Okay. <laughs> you know, at one yeah, point. Yeah. And then we went with Opalescent. Yeah. Um, and then the last one's called Clave, and it's totally like, like you know, you know salsa, Caribbean yeah. kind of thing. Oh, fun. Uh, but really cool piece. Yeah, great. The, the other piece that um, was, you know, commissioned, you know, composed for us is a piece by Tillman Hopstock. Okay. So Tillman, you know, many of you know um, that, you know, he was absolute virtuoso player, but also, you know, one of the leading experts in box music. Right. Um, unbelievable genius um, and very eccentric guy. Yes. <laughs> He's a dear friend of mine. I've known him for years. He's from Darmstadt. And some of you may know that, that he he came out with a series of discovery reco- pieces that he recorded um, these, this set of preludes and a set of etudes by this um, obscure composer named Alan Wilcox. Okay. And Alan Wilcox was essentially kind of a contemporary of, of Ravel and Debussy, an okay. English composer. Um, and Tillman played, you know, recorded two or three CDs of this guy's music. And it's some of them, it sounds like as if Ravel or Debussy was writing oh for the gosh. guitar. And they're amazing. They're amazing. And, and it's like, where did this guy come from? How did he? And then finally, you know, a lot of questions were being asked. There was, there was some, <laughs> you know, forensic evidence, Uh-oh. you know. And finally, he sort of fessed up and said, you know, I made him up. 
you know. Oh and, my gosh! Yeah, he, it's it, and but but Tillman, it's so wow. Tillman. He he didn't just like create a name. He, the, if you look at the music, there's an entire a two page biography of this guy. There's there's pictures of him at his school, and then Amazing. here's his parents, and wow. here's where he studied, and all this like Zelig. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No, it's it's really really eccentric. You know, it's wow. great. Um, but you know, and actually, he got taken to task. I think it was Matanya Ofei, probably, who, who, yeah, who was like, "Oh, this is terrible. How can you do this? <laughs> you know, you're deceiving the public." Yeah. But but there's such a long tradition of yeah. nom de plume, sure. You know, uh, sure. and. Um, in music and, of course, also in literature. Um, and I think it can be done in such a way that it, it brings to brings to fore some of the fundamental questions about art and why we do art and how it's created and and the perception of the creator and right. those sorts of things and the way that hits the market. And I think when people do that, they're kind of playing with that. You know. Well, you know, in in our field, look at look at the pieces that Ponce wrote right. for Segovia. Of you know, it was like, oh, it's. And if anybody thought that that was Scarlatti, I don't or know Vice. what they were smoking. <laughs> or, or Vice, you know, yeah. like you know, um, you know. So um, what Tillman said though was, I don't. He said he didn't do it as a kind of marketing ploy. Yeah. Um, he did it because he said if he sat down with a blank piece of paper. And he was Tillman. Yeah. He couldn't write in that style. Right. He had to essentially, you know, inhabit sure. this persona right. and become a, an, an impressionist yeah. composer. Which is a and, highly creative and artistic approach, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we were we were talking, you know, year, quite a few years ago, and I was I was like, you know, it'd be really cool if you could find a piece by Alan Wilcox for four guitars. <laughs> and he said, well, let me do some research. <laughs> <laughs> so is is this yes. written in that style? So the sweet transcendent oh is actually by Alan Wilcox. Oh, fantastic! And <laughs> and so it's this five movement work that is very much in the in, in the impressionist Lovely. style. Yeah. In fact, the first movement um, really has that kind of um, the Orientalism idea that you yeah. know, like Ravel in the you know. Um, uh, the Empress of the Pagodas kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, so it's got the, you know, those pentatonic scales. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one that's just in- incredible, uh, one called uh, the Porte du Ciel or the, the, okay. the Gate of Heaven that's all in harmonics. Oh. And but it's like these whole tone things. So we had, well, I had to tune my guitar totally weird, you know, to get these natural harmonics. Um, there's a little mini fugetta, oh, but fun. sort of the idea is that that in his mind there were five paintings. Okay. That that these are impressions of, yeah. you know, um, perfect, you know, and and actually the, those that performance on this recording was actually recorded two years before. Okay. Um, it, Tillman came out from Germany and to produce us to record his piece. Okay. Which was actually released. It, on his label, okay, uh, Prim, okay. Uh, w- with a collection of other original pieces by Alan Wilcox, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the the idea was that we would use that recording okay. in in here. So right. so that that's the you know near the end of the recording. Um, so there's a great picture of us all together in the in the booklet of us with Tillman. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. you know. So he was there for the for the the recording and everything. So. That was very special. Neat, very very cool. And and I have to I have to mention the Frederick Hand because 
Fred was a guest of mine just a few weeks ago and, and had a wonderful chat with him. And then I saw him for the uh, one-year anniversary gala last last Friday, which is, is going to be going, actually, what is today? It That, that went live yesterday. So, you know, Fantastic. But, uh, so I, 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 have to, I have to talk about that. So what, well, what, what's the story? Well, Fred, Fred is such an amazing player and, and composer. Um, and he's, he's writing some, some beautiful stuff yeah. now. I mean, he's, you know, for years I played his um, uh, Missing Her, yeah. a piece by Fred called Missing Her, and I just love it. Um, and the, this was a sort of similar situation to the Beezer in that he actually wrote this piece called Chorale for the New York Guitar Orchestra. Oh, actually, wow. it was okay. originally written as a um, as a or, you know guitar orchestra sure. piece, um, and he and I worked together to adapt it for for you know for guitar quartet and yeah. you know for also for our quartet you know with yeah. the weird tuning um, thing, and um, it's become like our go to like drop dead gorgeous you know you know melt you know yeah. you know you know tear jerker piece. Sure, it's sure, sure. just it's just really lyrical, he's, and it's got... He's so good at that. And it's got this great, like, sort of funky 7-8 uh, yeah. section in the middle with some jazzy harmonies, course, yeah. you know. It, um, <laughs> but uh, you, what I like to think of with, with the chorale is that it's really like a piece for a cappella vocal ensemble. Okay. You know, sure. and, you know, we... I'm slightly changing the subject here, but we got to work with this incredible vocal ensemble called Conspirari, okay. uh, based in Austin. We, we did a premiere of a piece, and then we did a recording with them. And getting to work with a really good chorus, with and the, the conductor of that group is this amazing guy named Craig Hella Johnson, and seeing how he how a choral conductor works, right. you know, that, that was really in our mind when we, oh. when we played this piece. You know? Sure. And... You know, the challenge is, you know, to play with the kind of breathing and the right. freedom, you know, pushing, pulling mm -hmm. the time, um, you know, taking your, your, your phrase endings. And, you know, in a way, when you play guitar ensemble, it's so much easier to just play, you know, you know, like, okay. Because well, every note dies as soon as you hit it, right? So, you know, this idea of, of, shaping something over a long period of time where the notes are connected to one another and swelling and that kind of, we don't do that, right? We have to do it as through illusion, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, you know, once you pluck the note, it's, right. you can't take it back. You can't sneak right. Yeah, you, you're right. Exactly. You know, yeah. singers can go, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, right. exactly. Um, yeah. So it makes it really hard yeah. to be together and free, yeah. you know, and, and, um, and so it's a real challenge, you know, so there has to be a really, a lot of, you know, kind of telepathy going yeah. on in the group and breathing and cues and right, all that right, stuff. Right. But it's just a gorgeous Chamber music. What a concept. I know. I know. Wait, wait, wait I have to listen wait, to those do, guys. Do guitarists do that? What? When did you start playing? No. You know, no. Um, but, but Fred is, is such a great, he's such a great guy. He's so humble yeah. and, but. Man, he's writing some beautiful stuff. I, I, you know, and when was this written? What year? That's a really good question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it is it an older piece or is, you know, is I, it? If I had to guess, it's yeah. like maybe maybe twenty fourteen or okay. something like that. Probably on here somewhere. I, we started <laughs> we started playing it. We started playing it around 
I think it was around 2017, maybe okay. when we started playing it. So, so, and that that was after I did this arrangement of it. First, I did it with my USC guitar orchestra. Okay. So I really learned the piece sure. as the orchestra version, and then I kind of worked with him to to make it make it work. Great. Um, you know, the, the one of the students that we have at USC now, if you can believe it, is. Douglas Lodoff from the Brazil Guitar yeah, Duo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's my getting, gosh. He's getting his oh, doctorate fantastic. at USC. So he and Jao Luis, yeah. it, was, it was like the greatest doctoral recital ever. It was oh the, the Brazil Guitar Duo. It was like, oh, wow. you know, oh, my God. But they played a piece by Fred um, called Still, okay. a duo. Just, I, I was like, this is, this is a masterpiece. Oh, and, I, and, and I was like, man, this, this, this is giving Pat Metheny a run for his yeah. money. Like, it was, it's... That's a serious, great piece, and wow. um, and then Fred just sent me a new record he just released. Right, you know, yeah, we hand, talked about that. Yeah, hand across time, mm-hmm. you know, that's you know got of course his fame, famous trilogy right. on it, and you know, and stuff with his wife singing, and yeah. you know, Fred's Fred's fantastic. Yeah, he's 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 a legend. He's yeah, he's, yeah. I, I I think I described him as maybe the, the closest thing to. American guitar royalty that we have. There you go. Perhaps. I don't know. But you guys, too. I mean, come on. <laughs> well. But maybe you're not old enough to be royalty. I don't know. <laughs> Boy, thanks. Thanks for that. Oh, no. We're, we're plenty old. <laughs> and and then I also have to talk about the, the, the aerial boundaries arrangement with, with, that you did from, from Michael Hedges, just because I was such a huge amazingly huge Michael Hedges fan and and I, I, I count it among some of my deepest regrets that I never got to meet him yeah um, so what's what's the story on on, on that and, and and congratulations on the on the arrangement there I think it's it's really it's very convincing in a way that's not um, condescending is that the right word yeah, yeah. you know what I mean yeah it, I mean yeah. it's it's like because that that playing of that style of playing is so unique, I guess it's just so so particular, you know. And to take that music and make it convincing in the format of, of four classical guitars, I think is like wow, it really comes through. Um, and I, I was yeah, I thought it was it was really well. Really I, cool, so. I I was a huge Michael Hedges yeah. fan when, when Aerosmith you know came in. I never met him, never got to see him live. You know, yeah. it's real regret too. Um, and you know, I know that John and was really into him. I'm not sure Scott really knew him that well. Andy York, when he was in of the course, course, yeah. course was yeah. a super influence. I think Andy got to hear him live a couple yeah. times. Um, and then Matt Greif, right. um, who did the arrangement, beautiful job. Um, he um, he's you know, as most of you know, like Matt's been in the group now for 16 years. Yeah, and and Andy. So now Matt's been in the group as long as Andy was. Right, right. They so, still say the new guy. <laughs> The rookie, yeah, 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 exactly. But we're we're you know we're sort 16 of sixteen years. That's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and we're never guessed. We're celebrating. I mean, we've we've been essentially together for forty two years, but yeah. we're kind of considering this our fortieth anniversary because sure. we we kind of became went from being the USC Guitar Quartet to becoming the LA Guitar Quartet. Yeah. Um, but. Um, so you know the idea of doing Michael Hedges. It was actually one of the first arrangements that Matt did when he oh, joined cool. the group but we never quite you know we never quite got it together and and then he, you know we revisited it for this and, and that's where he, he wrote this little um kind of side passage in the middle of it that was really cool and and I was like do more of that like right. like and so it's basically 
almost an exact representation of what Michael Hedges did on one guitar. It takes all four of us to do what he did. (laughs) But then Matt writes this little 12-8 kind of thing with this little mini Fugetta thing in the middle, and then it... It's very hip, and then it just sort of morphs back into the yeah. other tune, and it's it's very cleverly done, um, and um, you know it it made perfect sense on the record yeah. too. The, of course, the, the the musical feeling of it and the title, yeah. you know, it and um, it kind of represents like what this this record is about. Yeah. Really. Fantastic and when, and we okay so you mentioned Andy York we got to talk about that too so yeah um, what's what's the story on Hidden Realm of Light did he write that for you, this project for you no guys? actually this is this is the we recorded that with Andy oh, year, you did? years okay. ago it's this you know very brief uh, it's like two and a half minute okay it's like a curtain raiser yeah. and and it's it's one of our favorite pieces by Andy like it's just the, the sparkly kind of little gem yeah. <laughs> sort of thing and. Even though it's, if you know, we debated, okay, well, we've already recorded that. Why should we re-record okay, that's, it? Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, if recorded but it, before, it just yeah. seemed like you know the right thing to do. Yeah. It was the right way to start the record, and the the title is sure is so perfect. And and I, th- I think the performance is a little a little different. It's actually yeah. it shows our age. It's a little slower, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, but uh, it was really great, you know, to to you know honor Andy, you know, on this, yeah. you know, as well, and. You know, um, back in in June last year, the quartet got this you know very nice honor. We were inducted into the GFA Hall of Fame. Oh, that's right. Yeah, congratulations. And um, and what was really beautiful about it, I mean, the, it was a real special night for us because it, it, we it was part of the GFA festival, right? Which was completely online except right. for our concert. Ah. They Martha Masters was determined that we play. In, in front of a live audience, and, oh, and we found this beautiful uh, outdoor courtyard, a kind of Spanish-style courtyard in near L.A., and um, Pepe presented us with the award, and, you know, and it oh was really special, but, but Andy was there. He was able to be there, awesome. And Anissa Angarola, oh, who was the first, mem- you know, the, yeah. she was in the quartet for the first 10 years. Yeah. So, you know, Brian Head said, you know, we're, we're giving this award to the L.A. Guitar Sextet. Nice. <laughs> you know, and, and it was really special because, you, know, you know, it was the first time that, you know, all six of us had right, been, of course. been together. Right. And it was kind of like old times again and, oh my you know, celebrating the whole history of the, of the quartet. Right. And we actually played a little encore. Uh, it's this really cool piece that Andy wrote called Lotus Eaters. Oh, yeah. And Andy came up and, and, and played like he used to do in, in concert. Um, played the melody on recorder. Nice, you know, and so you know it was a really nice way to finish oh, it. So you know we're we're still close with Andy, yeah. and um, he's doing a podcast now too. I don't know if you've seen that. I, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, everybody's everybody's doing, doing podcasts. Not me. <laughs> well, I'm doing one now. You could. <laughs> it's just not mine. It's been a lot of fun, actually. It's yeah. it's, it's it's been it was kind of combination between being being prodded by younger people than me who know things about things that I don't know about. And, yeah. And the opportunity during the pandemic to, to kind of slow down and do something different and fantastic. everybody's stuck at home. So, you know, that, yeah. that was, that's, that's how it happened. And it's just been fantastic. It's been really great to, to kind of reconnect with some people, to connect with new people. And, yeah. and uh, I was so impressed by the list of, of people. How did you hook up with Golfam Kayam? Well, I met Golfam when she was a student at Cincinnati. <sighs> Um, because I used to teach at the workshop there during the yeah, summers, right? And she was she was one of Claire's assistants 
for for that workshop. Um, and yeah, I just got to know her there. And then um, yeah, I, I I recently heard about the the things she's doing with ECM and and you know. And I got in touch with her and said, "Hey, would you like to do the podcast?" And, well, and you know, she, this, it's very exciting what's going on in her life and 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 great. what's what's happening. And and I I can't. I mean, maybe maybe I'm romanticizing the whole thing, but I just think for her to be doing what she's doing is is a tremendous display of courage. That oh that, yeah, you know yeah, and 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 just dedication to her culture in a way that. I'm not sure that, that I've ever seen that from, from anyone that directly before, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and she, you know, she wants to be there. She wants to make changes and, yeah. and she's, she wants to do that through art and, and creativity. And uh, it's amazing. It's yeah. really unbelievable. She, she must be one of the strongest people that I know. Wow. You know, well, this is a good segue into my solo project. <laughs> there we go. Because, um, I'm going to do be performing this new work by Goltham that I commissioned. Okay. Um, so it's part of uh, a, a project that I started about five years ago um, that I call the Diaspora Project. That's right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, she yeah. mentioned that. Right, right. And um, the the germ of it really was, I, you know, Sergio Assad and his wife were visiting L.A. and my, my wife and I met them for lunch. And this was in early 2017, so it was like not too long after the 2016 election. And there was oh, a right. lot of, you know, sure. negative stuff about, mm -hmm. you know, Muslim ban and the wall and, you know, all this stuff. And, um, and you know, Sergio and I were talking. It's like, well, what can we do as, you know, we're just guitar players. Right. What can we do? And, and I said, well, Sergio, write me a piece. Write me a piece about it, you know. And he goes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And it ended up that he wrote this piece for solo guitar and guitar orchestra called The Walls. Okay. Um, which was a pretty overt <laughs> political statement sure. in a way, but it was also this incredible piece um, that portrayed musically five different historical barriers. Chinese, the Great Wall of China, right. Hadrian's Wall, okay. the Berlin Wall, etc. We have, we're still learning these lessons, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and when you know that that idea came up, I I thought, well, um, I could expand this, yeah. and I ended up applying to the Augustine Foundation, okay, um, for a grant. I called it the Diaspora Project, and I commissioned seven composers. Um, so the other six pieces are all uh, solo guitar works. Okay. And I'm I'm playing three of those on the concert in Cleveland, and actually in, in a week I'm playing in Washington D.C. and we're doing the walls too. Oh, wonderful! So doing four of the of the seven. And one of the composers I commissioned was, was Goldfam Kayam. Okay. And I I didn't really know that much about her, but it was yeah. it was Dushan, my friend Dushan okay, Zardanovich, sure, who you know she you studied know, with she him, studied yeah. with him mm -hmm. in Geneva, um, and he turned me on to her stuff, and I was like, wow, this is amazing huh. and so i we i've never actually met her in person but right. we've you know we've done zooms together sure. and stuff and she wrote this incredible exotic piece called lost land yeah. and the the idea with the piece is kind of what you articulated before um you know sh her experience of you know studying in america studying in europe yeah. and then choosing to go back to iran right and 
um, you know, to develop her, her, you know, creative culture, yeah. raise a family and all that. But she said when she returned to Iran, she almost didn't recognize it, right. you know, and, and so the, the marking, uh, at the beginning of the piece is quasi adagio disorientato. <laughs> so, it. so fantastic. It, so it just, it just kind of, you know, portrays her sense of, I think I know where I am, but yeah. I don't recognize it completely. And and the piece has this, you know, wonderful. I mean, actually, when it begins, you, you you sort of think, oh, she's she's playing the first violin sonata of Bach. You know, it sounds just like that, and then huh. it just goes off, and then and then it it goes here, and then it goes off, and it goes. Oh my gosh! But it's filled with. Um, these little melismatic ornaments that she's she's become a kind of an expert yes. in Persian ornamentation yeah. and, and and improvisation actually, right, right, right. Um, and so these little you know these yeah. little quick you know like cross string yeah. trills uh-huh. that that just go before the main note, and the other thing that really gives this depth to the piece literally is that she asked that you tune the six string down all the way down to a okay so that's why i've got two guitars okay. with me because i've got a, right a yeah guitar. you don't be messing with that on stage well <laughs> I, and i've got i've got one of i got barred one of john dearman's you know seven string like the the heavy gauge yeah. string so it's yeah, yeah. so it sounds it doesn't buzz you right, know, it's, right um so i got that all set up and and having that when you first hit that low a yeah. it doesn't come in until like a, about the right. third line it's, it's like whoa yeah. oh man very um, cool. But it's she she very delib she's very specific about like what rings through. Some things are incredibly campanella, yeah. you know, and um, you know, uh over ringing and and some things not, you know, but sure. but it's it's a really poetic piece um that I, I think, you know, she captured something very special yeah. with, with this piece and it's it's an honor for me to play it. That's fantastic. How how long is the piece? It's a I think it's about eight minutes wow. or so. Yeah. I haven't is, is she gonna publish it? It's already been published. It's been published. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so I worked that out with, um, you know, I, I work quite a bit with uh, editions, Dawes. Okay, yeah, yeah. However you, D-Oz or however you pronounce it. D-O-Z. Yeah, yeah. Up there in French Canada, you know. And, you know, Golfam and I worked extensively on, like, all these little, like, okay, the fingering here, and what about this little turn here, and how do you want this notated? Yeah. And then she, you know, she, I, I wrote the program notes and she, she like had comments about it. But Wonderful. The, but the really cool thing is that the cover image is a painting done by her mother. Right. right. And uh, her mother's apparently very, very well regarded artist yeah. in Iran. And, and it's a really evocative painting. It's, yeah. it's the sort of form of this woman looking at herself in the mirror, but uh, it's fuzzy and you can't quite, it's indistinct, yeah. you know, but I think it really... The statement. Yeah, yeah. so um, I, I hope to meet her someday yeah. in person. You know, I don't know how that would ever happen at this point. You know, but <laughs> you, have to, you have to get a gig in Tehran. <laughs> there you go. Hey, there you go. Right. So, what else is on on that project? Or? Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, obviously the Sergio Assad mm-hmm. Concerto, the Goldfums piece, and there's maybe I'll just talk first about the pieces I'm going to play. Okay. Yeah. In, in the concert. Sure. Um, are, are you familiar with Brian Johansson? Uh-huh. Yeah, so Brian is, uh, he's, a, I've, he's a good friend of mine. I've known him for decades and decades. Um, he, he recently retired, but he was a uh, professor at um, 
Portland State University right. in Oregon. Right, right. Unbelievably prolific and yeah. energetic guy. I mean, just it's it's astounding how how productive he is. Yeah. And and he most of his music, I think all of his music, it's written by hand. Oh my gosh. And it's perfect. Like it's it, it's almost like he writes it in his head and it's there. It's and then when he puts pen to paper, he it's kn- he knows yeah. where the page turns are going to be. Oh my gosh. It's it's unreal this guy. Um <laughs> and it's all good. You know, like, and he's done so many fantastic arrangements. You know, he, he founded the, the Oregon Guitar Quartet. Mm-hmm. And, and he's still, apparently, I don't think they're together anymore, but he's still got, like, six albums worth of arrangements, like, ready to go. Wow. It's it's unreal. But I started playing a solo, well, the LAGQ commissioned a number of pieces by him okay. over the years. So I knew his music really well. And, and I started playing this gorgeous piece of his, a solo piece called... Um, uh, the Magic Serenade. Just okay. absolutely love that. So he was a guy I knew would write a great piece. And so I, I told him, here's the idea. And and the prompt really was, you know, what what are your feelings or musical reactions to the immigrant experience or the migrant experience or the yeah. refugee experience? You know, like, and, you know, the idea that, you know, diaspora sort of means like a culture that spreads, right. you know, from its place of origin and it, and it, disperses, you know, and then, you know, how, what do you think about it? And so what, what he came up with was the idea that when he was growing up, his maternal grandfather would tell him these stories about his, his youth. Mm-hmm. And apparently his grandfather was born in Ireland okay, and moved to basically Appalachia. Mm-hmm. So I was total surprised because I always thought he was like, hundred percent like Swedish or, or Finnish or something, you know, you know, Johansson, Johansson, you know, but he said his, what they did for a living was they did what they supported themselves with in Ireland. They, they made grain alcohol. Oh my gosh. And then it's when, China. right. So then when, <laughs> when prohibition started, they became outlaws. Oh and, my gosh. and so he wrote this piece called the bootleggers tale. <laughs> And and he said his grandfather would tell him these stories. He said like with tons of expletives, you know, about you know, wow. you know, building the still and and hiding from the from the feds yeah. and running. So it's a four movement suite that's very um, programmatic. Yeah. And the first movement is called um, "Lament for a Broken Still." Nice. You know, and it's kind of a Baroque Pasacaglia. Uh The second <laughs> one is. Um, Ode to whiskey with a couple of doubles. <laughs> nice, you know? and that one's totally. You would love. You would love this movement because it's really. It's there. It's basically Irish fiddle tunes, sure, sure, but sure. also Appalachian. Yeah, there's a which I mean, are, that's where they come from. Almost yeah. the same, but but um, and then there's a, a, the third movement is called Cat and Mouse Interlude. It's very short, very mysterious thing. And then the last movement's called Head for the Hills. Okay. You I was going to ask if there was like a, a police chase. Oh, it's, it's absolutely. And, and in the middle of it, like you, you can sort, sort so, of sense so that... Brian could have been a stock car racer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. One, one strange twist of fate. And I he's know. not a guitarist. He's a stock car racer. There you go. Yeah. I don't know how he ended up living in Portlandia after all that. You know, but um, yeah, but that that last movement, you know, it's, you can tell like when it's real frantic and dark, you know, it's the feds, but then there's this, this part where it goes into a total bluegrass, like Fralin, 
uh-huh. you know, like banjo sure, frailing sure. thing, yeah, yeah. you know, where they're partying, you know, oh, so, fun. It's, so, it, <laughs> so, so that piece, um, you know, it's really fun piece. Um, the other one that I'm going to play, uh, tomorrow night is the world premiere. Okay. Of a piece by this wonderful composer from Philadelphia named Andrea Clearfield. Okay. She's the only non-guitarist from the whole group okay. that I commissioned. And I found out about her because I have this uh, a wonderful student. He's an amateur student. He's an, you know he's a psychiatrist sure. or psychologist um, in Philadelphia, and he he knows Andrea because she's done these wonderful salons at her performance oh. space for for decades and she's incredible eclectic composer um and so we we hooked up and and discussed this idea and it turns out that among other interests of hers she's been fascinated with tibetan music okay and in fact has done two musicological um trips to nepal she's not wasn't allowed to go to tibet but 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 to go to Nepal, and she actually, she and, and uh, another um, scholar uh, recorded and documented um, Tibetan music, and specifically this guy who was the last surviving court musician from Tibet. Oh my! And and recorded, huh. you know, kind of like what Bartok and Kodai sure. did, um, and um, you know, got these melodies and. So the piece she wrote for me is based on one of the melodies that oh, this guy cool. sang, and it's 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 called the setting setting drangmo setting wangmo drumnyan. Okay, uh, my my Tibetan's a little <laughs> bit sketchy right now, um, but uh, it's basically uh, to the long life of the dranyan. Okay, and the dranyan is essentially the Tibetan guitar. It's, it's called sometimes the Himalayan lute. Okay. And um, it's if you if you look it up, you can see these fun videos of these guys playing it, and they're sort of dancing around like Chuck Berry when they oh, when they play it. Uh, it's a three string drone okay. instrument. Yeah. Um, uh, and so she loosely based the piece on this melody, but she's you know it's it's. It's also her piece. It's just kind of her... And so the piece is called Reflections on the Dranyan. Okay. Um, and I worked with her quite a bit um, because she wasn't a guitarist. Right. Like, so she gave me this outline and, you know, we really worked and we got to work in person and then quite a bit on Zoom oh, to sort of guitarify it. Sure, sure. Um, and it was a, a real collaborative process. And I think what we came up with was is something that really does evoke this not very often, you know, highlighted musical right. culture. Yeah. You know, there, there's, especially the middle fast section, the fast section has this kind of, this kind of shuffle, yeah. you know, it's kind of like a, like a rock and roll shuffle kind of rhythm. And she <laughs> said, well, this is, this is the rhythm they use, you know? And, and wow. so like figuring out like how to, how to make it work. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, when the guy sang, like there was some, notes that weren't in tune sure and so she was like well is it supposed to be microtonal or is he just <laughs> right not in tune right and so so you know definitely there's some microtonal bending oh, fun of certain pitches yeah. um and uh it's a it's a major work it's you know maybe eight yeah. nine minutes long wow um and but really cool it's sort of a uh, s- slow introduction and then this 
fast section, which then goes into another uh, alternative fast section and a, a little short recap. And it turned out that due to, you know, interesting circumstances, uh, it be, it was just named the set piece for the GFA competition. Wow. So if you look on the, the, the Facebook page sure. for the Guitar Foundation of America, yeah. you'll see a beautiful picture of Andrea and a biography oh, of her. Wonderful. Um, and so I, I did have to um, help create the the printed music for the yeah. competitors yeah. And, and, and work with her. But it will be published on, on DAWs okay. um, you know, after the competition. Oh, wonderful. Um, but it's it's a really beautiful piece. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And, and also, you know, very evocative. You know, I don't want to give it away, but, right. you know, basically the way she ended it. You know, end, the endings of pieces, that's They're pretty really important. tough. Yeah. And the way she ended it was really incredible. Huh. Uh, after this whole recap of the opening statement... This sort of this golpe, uh, you know, a tambour, boom, boom, mm-hmm. on this low A with, with these interspersed little harmonics that are kind of drifting away, and then the the golpe becomes a gentle tap on the top, uh-huh. and and it's it's like this dying heartbeat uh-huh. that you know really you know represents you know like how fragile the culture in right. Tibet is, right. you know, um, that it's just barely struggling to survive, you right. know. Wow. And that so the, and the world premiere for that is tomorrow. Yep, that's fantastic. Yep, that's great. Yeah, said and is she going to be there? She can't. She's in okay. Philadelphia. She's got a world premiere tomorrow uh, Sunday night. She's got two in one day. <laughs> no, she's she's <laughs> uh, weekend, I guess, yeah. she's really oh, doing fantastic. great stuff. Um, and she seems to always be going to do a workshop. She yeah. was just in New Mexico doing a, a, a workshop. She went on a composer's retreat up in the San Juan Islands outside of Seattle and she she's Very running cool. all over and she so does here, her here's s- a trivia question for you. Yeah. Have we ever had a set piece for the GFA that was not written by a guitarist? Yes. We have. Okay. Yes. That has happened. Um th- and if you go on the GFA website it will list all the set pieces. Yeah. Um and I like right now, I'm kind of, I, it's, I don't have it committed to memory, but yeah. I know like Joan Tower wrote a piece. Oh, okay, that's know. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I forgot about that one. Definitely, yeah. definitely there have been. Okay. Um, and, you know, it was very appropriate, you know, to have a female composer course, right now. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I also like to think that, you know, with, you know, she was very cognizant of not treading into cultural appropriation yeah. with this. You know, cause it's a very touchy subject. And right. so, you know, but it, I think it also is very appropriate to have a piece that is paying respectful tribute to Absolutely. Asian culture. Yeah. You know, um, sure. so that's, I think, important right now. Yeah. It's exciting. That's very, very cool. And is, is there going to be a recording associated with this project? Yes. Yeah, so, so my plan, you know, I actually, I'm very inspired by like your little setup here. What, what, what I, I kind of want to do it here. I kind of want to do this. I've got a, I've got a little setup where I think it'll be, I think it'll be quiet enough. Um, but you know, like getting it together, but I, I, I want to record all six of the solo pieces, yeah. um, and release it. Um, and that's kind of my, my, my hope for within the next year yeah. for sure. Um, and, um, you know, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's exciting. It's great. So I think, I think we're probably coming to the end of the time that you have. I, available. I, got, I got a little more time. I mean, okay. I'm, I think just for completion, I, I should yeah. mention the other pieces that I commissioned, Yes. you know, which are, I think are also very noteworthy. Um, so one of them is by my dear friend Dushan Bogdanovich. Uh-huh. And, you know, I've been, you know, work 
I've known Dushan for 35 yeah, years at sure. least. Um, and, you know, actually, I'm, I'm playing a piece by Dushan tomorrow night um, that's I didn't commission. It's right. called the, the Three African Sketches. Okay, yeah, I just yeah. love those that, pieces. Yeah. Um, and obviously that fits into the diaspora sure. idea perfectly. Um, but I, I asked him to contribute to this, yeah. and he wrote this incredible piece called The Castle in Cloudland. Okay. And apparently that's the name of a... Uh, a folk tale, a Serbian folk uh, tale, and he said that his, you know, his grandmother told him. Oh my god! And it's fantastic. And it, it almost sounds like when I read about it, it, it really sounded like the plot to a Miyazaki anime film. Like it really <laughs> did, you know, like this 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 castle floating in the clouds, yeah. and then this you know this the spirit, you know, da, da, da. Um, but it's basically like like a sort of a, a Serbian blues variations okay <laughs> you know and and it's it's really great and that's already been published okay um and i haven't gotten my act together to like work it up yet i mean i played all through it you know like but it's it's you know dushan's music is pretty challenging yeah, but, but sure. i'm gonna do it yes dushan i will do it very soon um another piece uh that was recently added to the to the project is by Matt Dunn Matthew oh, yeah. Dunn. Of course. So I've known Matt for years and years. He's from San, was in San Antonio. He's now retired in upstate New York, and he wrote kind of like Brian Johansson. Uh, the LAGQ commissioned him to write a number of pieces yeah. that we recorded over the years, and he's a fantastic composer that kind of like Fred Hand really combines jazz and classical. Yeah. Uh, he has a really good sense of of jazz harmony, and he wrote a piece called Beyond the Horizon, okay. which um, essentially is, you know, about the perilous journey that, you know, refugees, migrants face. Right. Um, you know, in today's very touchy uh, times, one has to be really careful. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think he was really trying to talk about the forced, forced slavery. Okay. You know, and that's what he feels very deeply about, about how, you know, inhumane that process was. But unfortunately, right now, if you're a, a, a white composer, you're not really supposed to right. address it. Well, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think you have to be you have to be very, very careful. But you have to be careful. And, and yeah. rightly so, perhaps. Right. You know? I know. Well, it's it's no matter how much you f feel about it, like you're not entitled to comment on it in a way it's it, so it's a touchy thing yeah. so he we kept it much more vague yeah. it's and it's just and and one could one could assign it to the journey of a cuban refugee trying to take a boat across or sure. or someone from you know uh, Tunisia taking a boat across right. the Mediterranean to escape or you know a, a you know someone examples. in Southeast Asia you know yeah. getting it's about it's about basically being forced onto a boat or yeah. being on a boat um, and in horrible conditions yeah. and and what what you know that and then maybe you know reaching your journey right. reaching your arrival uh, and it's a, a very ambitious piece it's a four movement uh, piece it's about 12, 13 minutes long. Wow. Um, that's I just got that recently, so okay. I'm going to be doing that. And then the last one is by my dear friend, uh, Ian Krauss. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've known Ian Krauss since I first arrived at USC in 1977. Oh, my gosh. And, and 
Obviously, he was a absolute virtuoso player, founder of the Defia Guitar Trio. Yeah, right. He had to stop performing uh, because of a hand injury, uh, but is a prof- you know full professor of composition at UCLA right. and uh, incredible composer. Yeah. He's written some of the some of the most important works for the LAGQ, um, including um, you know Fully Us, which is I think mm-hmm. a masterpiece, mm-hmm. um, and. One thing about Ian, he's written in so many different styles. Um, he's become kind of an expert in Armenian music. Okay. In fact, he was commissioned to write the Requiem for the 100th anniversary of the Armenian genocide. Oh, my gosh. And it was a full, you know, full, you know, full orchestra, full chorus, children's chorus, like the whole thing. Wow. And it was premiered at Royce Hall in, in L.A., you know, and with every Armenian <laughs> person there. Wow. So, yeah, so he's, and he's... I don't think he's fluent in Armenian, but he, you know, he understands texts. And, yeah. You know, so he wrote me a piece based on an ancient Armenian hmm. uh, love song, basically, ah. called "Arise from Your Royal Slumber," and it's got um, an Armenian title that I, "I Najamdid in I can't remember. I don't. Wow. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't pronounce it. It but, was, sounded convincing to me. Yeah, so. <laughs> but it's um, it's a, again very. Uh, very exotic to our, yeah. you know, it's got this really unusual key signature. Okay. You know, it's, I'm trying to remember now. It's, it's, it's like, you know, let me, let me remember what, what it's like, you know, G sharp, B flat, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's got, it, you know, cause it's in this real interesting mode and everything. Um, and it's a fantastic piece. Oh, very cool. So, the, so those are the, you know, those are the, the six, yeah. uh, com- solo composers and that's the, I'd like to, that to sounds, do that that sounds like a just a big substantial in every way project you know like you know substantial music substantial themes substantial composers substantial performer everything I mean and this and is... it's making a it's it's you know in a, in a way functioning in the in a way that you know, my original conversation with Sergio was yeah. what can we do as what artists can we do? right yeah. to you know, we can't change things right but what we can do is. Did you ever have a sense early in your career that 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 this would be part of the conversation at all? Um, I've always, I've always enjoyed cultural diversity. Yeah. Like I don't know, you know, a lot of people know that I'm my side talent is that I'm able to do lots of different dialects and accents. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard this, and I've, I've I've heard that you're also a master impressionist. Yeah, and, and in fact, <laughs> in fact, you know, a lot of people know about this, but you know, just up the road is Akron, right? Right, and so when the GFA was in Akron, Ohio, way back when, Steve Aaron, oh, I'm sorry, not Akron, um, at Oberlin. Okay, at Oberlin, um, he Steve, did one in Akron too. Yeah, Steve Aaron asked me to do an evening performance, a post-concert <laughs> performance a as comedy, a comedy, comedy show. Yeah. 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 So, so if you look up, you know, on YouTube, you know, GFA comedy show, Canon Geyser, <laughs> there's a, well, you know, if this music thing doesn't pan out for you, tell you know, me about yeah. it. Um, and it's, it's only a seven minute, it, the, the, the complete show was almost half an hour. Yeah. I, I imitated 22 different oh people. Gosh. Um, and all guitarists, and, and not not their playing, but right. their their, their mannerisms, music, yeah. their voices, yeah. and stuff. It it begins with Pepe Romero, <laughs> and, and it's incredible when he talks. The most important thing to imitate Pepe is 
the bosses. <laughs> you know, you know. But you know, but everyone that I imitated were like dear friends of mine. Oh my god. You know, Dushan, yeah. Manuel, David Russell, um, Odair Assad. Yeah. You know, the very good. This guy from Brazil. Very good. Great. I know, <laughs> laughing. This guy laughing when I thought he thinks funny. You don't know. I don't That's know. Fantastic. You know. Yeah. But um when I do those Im- imitations, I really summon up their yeah. spirit. Like, sure. like I, they, they kind of, they kind of inhabit me. Yeah. And it's like that's why I don't like to imitate people I don't like. You know, right? Because you don't. Want to, yeah, I don't yeah, do certain right. political figures. Let's <laughs> right. just put it that way. Good for you. Um, but because I would have to take a shower afterwards. You know. Um, but I, I think that you know nuance of dialect and yeah. accent and you know is something I'm very you know attuned to with my yeah. ear and and so part of the whole thing with the way I play solo and the way the quartet plays it's like what's the what's the accent there what's uh, the what's yeah. the nuance you know like sure. well can you sound like a blues guitarist can you sound like a like a vena can you sound right. like a banjo can you sound sure. like like you know you know and and those subtle changes you know I mean, there's guys who can play circles around me, you know, like virtuoso, you know, like pieces. But this is my shtick. You know, yeah. it's like if I do a jazz thing, it's like I'm going to swing, you know. Right. And, right. and if, you know, if I do a, an Irish thing, hopefully it has, you know, the, the snap you yeah. know, to it, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, but also, you know, I, I think of myself kind of like a storyteller. Sure. And and that, that was one of the one of the nicest compliments I've gotten when Brian Johansson wrote that piece for me, he, he called me a narrative guitarist. There we go. And so, you know, that's, that's the thing I like to do is, is, you know, don't just play a beautiful piece of music, but tell, tell a story, story. Yeah. you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm I, that's, that's a, that's a, t- like the narrative of the piece. That's something I find myself, that, that phrase using that a lot in my teaching. It's like, what are you, yeah. what, what, what's the narrative of this piece? What are you trying to do with it? What, 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 yeah. what's the tale you're trying to tell? Absolutely. You know? And, and that makes the experience for the audience much, much richer. I would hope so. You know, um, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So, so in a way, you know, the path, you know, with the quartet and with yeah. the solo, um, I just feel very fortunate, very grateful, yeah. you know, that I'm still, I'm still playing and people still want to hear what I have to say with, with the instrument. Um, but it, it's also, you know, I've, I've always had this kind of curiosity about yeah. things. And, and so, you know, I'm still really engaged with yeah. like, well, what's, what's next? You the know? process. Yeah. yeah. In fact, you know, I'll end with, with something else, which is this other big project that I've been involved with since I mentioned Ian Krauss. Okay. Um, so there's a wonderful string quartet in San Francisco named the Alexander String Quartet. Okay. And they've done all the all the traditional stuff, you know, play, you know, Brahms, Beethoven, right. Bartok, you know, Haydn Cycle, you know, all that. Um, and it turns out we share managers. Oh, my um, gosh. And, <laughs> and I'll get to Ian in a second, but I got an email from Dushan maybe about six years ago now, five or six years ago that he had uh, written a set of arrangements of Sting pieces, six okay. songs by Sting, Okay. that um, Ian uh, Dushan's friend, um, Edin Karamazov, okay. commissioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. Edin is really good friends with Sting. Okay. <laughs> um, he was involved with right. Sting with his, yeah, yeah, yeah. his Dowlin project. 
And so it was like totally like um, authorized by okay. Sting. In fact, the, on the music it says thereby Dushan Bogdanovich slash Sting. Wow. Like, okay. like, so it's like they worked it all out. And Dushan was like, you know, I wrote this for Eden, but he ha he hasn't done anything with it. You know, like, <laughs> why don't you do it? And I was like, that's really cool. And then it ended up that that Eden did do them, right. and he has recorded them and performed them. But but I was like, I've got these really cool pieces, and so I talked to my manager, and I was like, well, maybe I should do them with Alexander. And then it was like, okay, what what do we do? What else do we do? And I I had already played with the quartet a piece by. Ian Krauss called uh, "Music in Four Sharps" okay. after John Dowland, okay. which is which we we recorded actually on our our new Renaissance right. album. Beautiful piece. Well, that that the pre-existing version of that was actually for guitar and string quartet. So he arranged that piece for four guitars that we recorded. Oh, okay. So I knew I was like, this is a great piece. <laughs> Retrofit. So, so right. So we got this piece by Ian, and then I talked to Ian. And there was this piece that Ian wrote for LAGQ years ago that was one of the killer pieces of all time called Labyrinth on a Theme of Led Zeppelin. Yes, yes. And I said, what about making that for guitar and string quartet? Yeah. And he said, okay. And, and I, he did so oh much work gosh. on it. And, and actually, I ended up playing the majority of that piece on especially... Uh, set up guitar with with steel strings on the on the treble strings wow so i'm playing with, with a pick with steel strings oh my gosh then there's a full-on like bottleneck solo blues solo wow. on it and i and i think that <laughs> labyrinth sounds better with string quartet and guitar than it did does with four guitars wow. I, I really think so oh my gosh and then to round out the project we we did uh, four of the leo brower beatles arrangements uh-huh okay and so the whole project is called british invasion Fantastic. You know, so it's, you know, Sting, Zeppelin, yeah. um, Dowland, you know, and... Uh, That's funny. And, I don't often think of this Dowland as being part of the British invasion, but why not? <laughs> I know. So, so, you know, Beatles... Right. Yeah. Da well, Dowland, you know, yeah, he wasn't really part of the British. It's, it's a little, yes, it's a little bit of a stretch. I love but, it, though. But it's it works. Yeah. And, and, it, and yeah. since, you know, more than half of the recording comp was comprised of Ian's music... Sure, sure. Um, he... Produced it. We well, we we premiered the program. We long story. We were supposed to play it in San Francisco on May seventh, twenty twenty. Oh, there we go. And on May sixth, we had done a warm up concert, and oh, we got a text saying, "Oh, <laughs> cancer! Concert's canceled." I said, getting into May, that was pretty late. Oh no, no, no I'm sorry, March. March. Right, I'm sorry, right, March. Right. I meant March. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. I'm stuck in the month of May. <laughs> March seventh, yeah. twenty twenty. Yep, there you go. And, and we we're like, what? How can they cancel a concert? And then five days later, every concert on Everything, the planet was canceled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we actually did do that concert in July 2022. Fantastic. Or 2021. What what year is this? It's 22 now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we did it in July. <laughs> Temporarily, I have the same problem. compromised yeah, here. Yeah. Um, no, it was July 21. Okay. And then the idea was, well, maybe we should record it. So um, in December, right before Omicron, <laughs> we were lucky to get it done. Oh, we, uh, the guys flew down to LA and we did it at the studio at UCLA where, okay. where Ian teaches. And 
as we speak, he is finishing the editing. Oh, wonderful. And so, you know, we're still not 100% sure what label it's going to come out yeah. on. But probably on... The, the String Quartet has their own label called uh, Foghorn Recordings. Okay. Um, probably on that. But it should be a really fun project. Yeah, it sounds and great. And it sounds just... Yeah. And, you know, like, you know, the Zeppelin piece is just over the top. Like, because it's, it's like straight up... Led Zeppelin, and then it goes into very intense contemporary stuff. There's yeah. a twelve tone Pasacalia and fugue, oh, you know, and all this stuff. But the the Sting pieces that Dushan did are really hip, yeah. like because it it really is. Oh, that's a, that's Sting, but no, this is Dushan. Right, like right. there's some real Dushan stuff in there. Some crazy polymeter stuff going on, yeah. but it's really really hip, um, and it's you know, it's a chamber music program but it's it really the guitar really is the center of yeah. it it's really kind of like a solo recording in yeah. a way so that was a big project for me to to put together and i'm very excited about that's it coming exciting out. yeah yeah so that's that's kind of what's going on i think you know to, I, what i want to finish up with is to just raise awareness about one other issue please um which is as you know i teach at usc right um and we have a number of wonderful students there and there's this one particular student who started his doctorate with me in uh, fall of 21. He had studied previously with Lorenzo Michele mm -hmm. in, in, in Italy. And his name's uh, Grigori Koval. Okay. And he's, was, he's from the Ukraine. From Ukraine. Yeah. Um, and uh, when the war started... <laughs> I was like, are you, are you okay? Right. Like, like, and, and it turns out that very fortunately, at least for now, like his, his family and are, are in the Western part. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're Safe not being bombarded. Yeah. And, and I was like, what can, what can we do, you know, to help you? And, and he's, he basically said that his, he was most worried about his teacher, mm -hmm. uh, that he said was more than just like a teacher. He was really like, a father figure and a, you know, right. a philosopher and everything. Um, and his teacher's name is, uh, Sergei Selesnyov. Okay. And Sergei has nine young students at his little school. And, and Grigory, uh, Grigory said, you know, if, if there's anything we can do to help them, I thought maybe some of the students could help you know, pitch in for something. And yeah. so I, I spoke to my friends at GSI, at okay. Guitar Salon International. And it had turned out that Grigory had already recorded, videoed some performances. You know, a lot of, a right. lot of people record on those guitars. In fact, a lot of the, our USC students record on GSI. Yeah. So he, he had some stuff in the can and we worked it out that GSI established a GoFundMe campaign. Oh, fantastic. And if you go on the GSI website um, and you just search for, uh, you know, Ukraine or for uh, Grigory, or, well, you have to spell his name right, <laughs> yeah, or me, yeah. you know, it should come up. And so, um, and we raised about $5,000, oh, which is going to go to his, his teacher. And that's still ongoing, right? I believe yeah. so. Okay. And, and the other thing that I was very happy to be able to help with was I... I contacted my friend um, Bernard Maillot mm -hmm. from Savarez Strings mm -hmm. in France, and we found out that there was this address in Poland that if, if we sent a package there, they could get it to Venezia in Ukraine. And so um, 
Savarez arranged for 120 sets of strings. Wow. Because his teacher said, we, we need money's strings. nice, but we need strings. Oh, my gosh. You know, and then also contacted my friends at, at Production Dawes, uh-huh. and they arranged for 30 euro gift certificates for the students to download music Wonderful. of their choice. Wonderful. And so, you know... Is this going to, you know, solve this horrible problem? You know, no. But but I think... Little I th- rays of sunshine, you know, the, the flowers growing between the cracks. It's exactly, the, the sunflowers, things, right? These things are very important. Yeah, and because and, he said that the students, you know, they, the, you know, you can ima- I can't even imagine what it would be like. But, yeah. but, you know, they just, you know, why should I practice the guitar? You know, it's right. like my world is crumbling around me, yeah. you know. But, but to for them to know that... On the other side of the world, uh-huh. there's there's guitar players who are you know wanting to support them and yeah. thinking about them, and then here's you know here's some strings, here's right. some music, sure. here's here's some money to help support yeah. you. You know, how can it not make a difference? Yeah, that's what yeah. we're hoping, and yeah. and 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 I really did it mostly for Gregory, right? Because I I was just worried about his you know his mental state, you know, yeah. and he's a really stoic guy he's you know incredibly he's you know determined you know disciplined um and he he's not very emotional guy you know so it's you know he didn't he looked like oh i'm i'm fine you know but i just wanted to you know feel like he had some power in this hope you know kind of hopeless situation um and uh and I, i think it's it's helped you know so you know i just wanted to you know bring that up it's an important thing and that might be our, our signal. The dogs are going nuts. What is it? The mailman's here? Probably, yeah. There you go. Well, Carl, this has been a lot of fun. Bill, thank you so much. I mean, what, a, what, what, a, what an honor and what a, what a tremendous, like, serendipitous thing to, you know, be halfway in between your, here we go. your family in, in Cincinnati and your concert and class in Cleveland. And thanks for getting in touch. And uh, I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Best of luck to you. This is Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Guitar on My Knee podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. <laughs>